0: Welcome to Launch Left 2021, an intentional space for art and activism, a podcast, a label, a launchpad for left of center artists. My name is Rain Phoenix, and today's very special guest is Ani DiFranco. You guys are in for an amazing conversation. So please don't forget to rate and subscribe, follow us on all socials. And if you want to watch this on video, you'll need to go to our Patreon page. Just go to Patreon and search Launch Left. Welcome Ani to the show. How's it going? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. It's so nice to have you on the show. What are you thinking about most these days? I'm so curious.
1: What am I thinking about most? Getting through the day? (laughs) I I don't understand exactly how my job could have ended, and yet I'm busier than ever. And, uh, you know, like many people in this pandemic situation, I'm trying to reinvent myself and my means of livelihood, and it's exhausting. And I got a couple of kids in virtual school in my face all day. And, you know, um, there's just that grappling with the daily life right now. And then, of course, there is the macro grappling. (laughs) That is the backdrop to it all uh, uh, in our society, which there is so much um, to say about
0: that. But
1: yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to get through my list of things to do on any given day.
0: Yeah, I know. It's a a wild time to be alive. And I have to say, uh, in regard to you, your music and your Um, being, energy in the world. You've always been cutting edge. You've always kind of jumped ahead and done things before people even conceived of them. And I'm specifically speaking of Righteous Babe. I remember, you know, I was a teen uh, myself when you launched that label, which was, you were really one of the first artist labels that existed. Um, And I remember noting that back then being like, whoa, what do you mean she's her own representative. It was so foreign at the time, do you know?
1: Yeah. By the mid nineties, we were releasing other people's records and, you know, it's funny though, Rain, looking back, um, like I just watched this, uh, what was it? Some Netflix series or something, you know, hip hop nation or something, you know, and it's looking back over the history of hip hop and, you know, uh, rap. And, you know, you remember in the nineties when rap was hitting the radar of mainstream society, all these, you know, was um, changing music. The more I learn about, you know, uh, the history of hip hop communities in various cities and how they evolved, the more I see, oh, wow, I wasn't alone in creating my own label, cutting out all the middlemen and thwarting a music industry that didn't know what to do with me if they tried. Um, There was a lot of indie, completely indie street level hip hop labels, you know, people just making first cassettes and then CDs, just like me, selling them in their community, you know, to their Audience that they had organically built around them, and then expanding outward from there. You know, these like little city-based and then regional-based labels that were releasing completely independent music, completely below the radar of the mainstream industry. You know, I I believe now in retrospect that there are many subcultures of people doing that. You know, and I was one, and I was lucky enough to sort of cross over you know, into mainstream awareness and have a lifelong career, um, which not all the indie upstarts of, you know, decades ago, you know, were able to, but many were, you know, and so I'm not, you know, I mean, I uh, I'm not alone in it in, in the folk and roots world, you know, there's a lot of independent little labels, little promoters. So I feel like I uh, I was a part of a movement, though I do symbolize in a lot of ways that transformation.
0: You've traversed the the globe with your music as a live, you know, troubadour, so to speak. Uh, and I know you 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 kind of hinted at that at the beginning of the conversation that you're kind of trying to reimagine what what your role is as a musician in this new. COVID era, where there is no live performance, and you have a new record. Um, and there's fatigue these days with live streams and that, that whole side of things. So how do you kind of reinvent there? How did you experience a real low uh, initially? Or have you always been the kind of person who whatever the situation you just kind of start reinventing regardless of all the pitfalls and obstacles that
1: well, I mean, I think that's what any human being has to do, right? Is adapt to the circumstances you're given. Um uh, many things are out of our control. So I'm trying to do that, you know, it's um it's uh it's hard at not just at my age, but you know, I'm the breadwinner of my family. You know, I have a lot of bills to pay and I got mouths to feed and so suddenly being out of my touring job. Um, yeah, you just have to adapt and you have to adapt quick and you have to make something work. So I have so many fricking side hustles these days. I'm just like, I am trying all sorts of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, It's crazy. My life in music, my life of touring almost seems like a dream from here. You know, I feel so disconnected from all of that. It's been a a year since I stood in front of an audience on a stage with my band and hit go. You know, it's just I can barely remember, you know. Um, so submerged as I've been, like many people in this new reality, you know what that old reality was like. I feel like, uh, you know, I have to do a album release show, which is going to be virtual for this new record coming out in a couple of weeks, and ugh, ugh, to all of that, you know. And uh, I just, I almost feel like, wow, I'm going to play like one gig this year there's going to be all kind of cameras in my face it's going to go out there and live whatever in ones and zeros for eternity and i don't even how do you play guitar again like i don't even remember that person i mean on the other side rain i'll tell you you know i i have to count my blessings i you know my mom who again, I I travel with my work. I have to, to make a buck, you know, and I love my job. So I'm super lucky, but leaving my children, I mean, my, my oldest daughter, my daughter's 13, you know, and uh, she did three years of hard time on the road with me when she was a baby. And then she entered civilian life and I have had to leave her for weeks on end often, uh, her whole life. And, and my son is seven and it's so hard on everybody, you know? Um, So the fact that I have been given permission this last year to stay home with them, and not only that, but whatever the sort of the downsides financial and otherwise for our personal sphere, my family, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. (laughs) I have been given permission to stay with my children every day for a year and the fallout is not exactly my fault. So it's an an incredible blessing for me in many ways too.
0: Yeah, I I find that that's you know, pretty common throughout, like no matter, and that's, and that goes back to what you were saying before about, you know, like everyone you're adapting, like we are highly adaptable beings. Um, and our best qualities aren't always forward facing until there's a crisis. Right. And that's when like our resilience and our, our love and our ability to adapt and understand others tends to come out. I don't know. I I guess I want to talk a little bit about, you know, why you wrote the song Revolutionary Love about that book uh, by Valerie Carr, Sino No Stranger? What was the the impetus for actually pinning a seven-minute song to really share your understanding of what it was she was translating?
1: Um, she was my impetus. She <laughs> she asked me to. <laughs> she oh, wow. said, Honey, I need some songs. Um, will you write me some songs? Uh, This was actually before her book came out. I sort of distilled it when we were telling the story of the record to, you know, because I would want so much to point a finger at her book and say, look, everybody, check this out, read it. It's really valuable, useful, awesome stuff in this book. Um, But my relationship with Valerie preceded that uh, book. And in fact, I was one of her early readers and, and helped give her some feedback on her book. And she did the same for mine. I wrote a book a uh, oh. couple years ago now. It came out. And um, so we had and already been friends. And she said, can you write me some songs to help my words and my uh, wisdoms connect with people? So I wrote her three songs and, um, revolutionary love was one of them. And that one just sort of became my anthem. You know, it became my, my mantra. So I was like, Valerie, can I put this on my record? (laughs) And, um, cause I can't just leave this song on your doorstep in a basket. I, I need to keep playing it myself. And, Mm. um, you know, it's just another point of connection between us and a way uh, of, of for us to have our work resonate in the world and um, try to support each other. You know, I think that the things that I express in that song, Valerie's words that I put into song, so much address. How do we get out of this space of us and them and incredible polarization and people just locking down into their corners and fighting to the death? Maybe not even remembering why, you know? Um, Why is it that you are my enemy, oh, countrymen, you know, fellow citizen? Like, what? How did we get here? How do we get out of here? And that's where I find Valerie's recent work and her book you know stranger you know not just inspiring but really freaking useful because she talks about it she breaks it down step by step how do you employ the ideal of revolutionary love from moment to moment you know and she talks about you know uh, the three tenets of of revolutionary love what it really takes to make love your guiding force, you have to have love for the other. Uh, Of course, we've long had this in our social movements. You have to have love for yourself, which has been left out of a lot of our social movements. This awareness that until you really learn to love yourself, you cannot do that for other people. It's really coming to terms with yourself because of course the things we hate in, in others are the things we're suppressing, you know? So it's, that is a sort of a feminist intervention as Valerie would call it, you know, in this sort of new uh, way of framing this work. Um, And the third thing is love for your opponent, you know, to specify there are some people, some others who maybe actively hurting us, you know? And how do we achieve revolutionary love with these people? Um, People who maybe are trying to dismantle our democracy and uh, uh, oppress dark-skinned people, people who don't see women as fully human and equal. And uh, how do you achieve revolutionary love in spaces with your opponents? This I think is also critical. You know, and Valerie would say, uh, drawing from the many traditions that she has, you know, learned and studied and been involved with, you know, step one is to stay curious, Uh, stay curious about your opponent. And I find that very powerful because Mm -hmm. if you keep wondering about them, you have kept yourself open you have mm-hmm. not locked yourself down so you have you have personally allowed the space for the tr- connection to begin for the transformation to begin so you know the though you may not be able to say oh i love and forgive or understand you right. my opponent uh, in any in every moment you can say i want to understand you i'm going to continue t- to ask you questions and to sincerely listen, because in that process, there will be some human connection we can find, and on that we can build.
0: I agree. Just the space to wonder in itself is, you know, kind of the beginning of awareness of how we share humanity together, regardless of our differences. Is there any advice that you? would have for young artists right now? I know we're all kind of refinding what it means to be an artist and a musician specifically in this post-pandemic or active pandemic world.
1: My usual advice is get the hell out there. Go out there and play a show for anyone who will listen for no one, if no one will listen, a cat, you know um, and keep doing that and keep doing that and hone your craft and build your relationship through music, not just with your audience and audience, but with yourself, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible journey of self-discovery and it's, you know, it's also known as paying your dues, you know, it, you can't, I think it's unwise to even want to be the overnight sensation, to go from your bedroom to the world uh, necessarily because it takes a lot of preparation to be prepared to be in front of the world. Um, uh, so I suggest, I mean, and you know, I'm the way that it worked for me was just decades of performing. Um, traveling, you know, whether it was to five people or 5,000 or whatever, um, the job was the same. And that was to become completely naked and take risks and search for connections with people and make mistakes, you know, the other, you know, so not only does that advice not apply, uh, during a pandemic, um, the other thing that makes my advice or my perspective uh, not apply or or seem a little antiquated right now is that I was given the opportunity to do that, to grow and painfully and awkwardly and, uh, you know, not linearly um, before social media you know um yeah i literally i look around myself now at young people i i imagine myself being 20 again in you know 2021 and thinking wow man how do you take the risks that i took and took again and again and again and made so many mistakes and failed and didn't say it right didn't say it right and didn't play it right you know, the song or the moment, you know, but I learned a lot, and I stayed up all night for two months thinking about it afterwards, and I, it became, you know, it's all part of my process, and I did that in public to a large degree, but not in the, the public of today, where every moment, uh, your successes and your failures live forever. Everything that you ever said or wore or, you know, or or stood next to is, uh, you will be accountable forever. Um, if you make a single mistake, you're the devil incarnate and must be kicked off the planet. You know, that's the atmosphere and the landscape now, you know, so I, I think, I, I'm so grateful that I got to have a grace period of moving through the real world and making my mistakes in time and place with other real people and achieving and what, and learning from them, you know, without, not that I haven't been canceled myself, you know, I have in more recent years and it's, um Anyway, I just I'm, I'm trying to recognize that the stakes seem so very high for risk takers these days. And I my heart goes out to young people who want to push the envelope, who want to take risks because it involves mistakes. That's how it's
0: done. Thank you for saying that, because I didn't even think, I mean, I have thought of that before, because I was also a musician through the 90s, late 80s into 90s as a teenager. And oh, my gosh, if that had been all over social media, I would have been so embarrassed, you know, just learning like the ropes, figuring out how you are on stage and all those things that we take for granted when you came from that era, that you got to do that, like, unless someone had an antiquated VHS camera, (laughs) that was not captured you know, or a film camera. There were no iPhones. It was like a completely different time. And so that's really something that I don't think about all the time in terms of, you know, becoming a risk taker in this particular climate, how much more is on the line.
1: Even something uh, as innocuous as taking my shirt off in a hot, you know, like I'm playing back in the day in a hot, sweaty club. It's so freaking hot. We're all sweating. We're all like, and it's just like, fuck it. Fuck the patriarchy. I don't care. That's a different thing now, right? Yeah. You could have, you could create your own space and your own world and your own rules and live by them. But then if, it's a much different choice to Mm -hmm. agree as everybody tacitly must agree now that that moment can be available to everyone and scrutinized and judged by people very far outside of that moment. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's a different, it's, I would not make the same choices, you know, if I, you know, so I really, again, feel for those people who must live exponentially uh, in, in under the judgment and the sort of fierce judgment of 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 today's you know digital world
0: okay and now for something a little lighter my my one of my two questions how did music find you
1: you know i i got a guitar when i was 9 i i, I asked my parents for a guitar i don't remember why i really I don't remember where the idea came from specifically, Um, but uh, that guitar became my best friend, you know, I I, I had things I had to work out already, you know, when I was nine and my guitar helped me do it. And it's been that way ever since. Um, And then along with that guitar came a dude named Michael Meldrum, who taught guitar lessons at the shop where that, that, that my first guitar came from. And I didn't take lessons from him exactly, but we met and I became his protege, his, he was uh, for sure a mentor in that he was a songwriter, you know, a a troubadour um, playing around town bars, coffee houses, you know, college union rooms, you know, Um, and he just started taking me around with him. And so, and my family was not very much of a family. And um, so I was sort of on my own. And so I was just free to be with Michael and be his shadow, you know, Um, my, from age nine to, you know, maybe 15 or so. And so, Music through, you know, under the wing of Michael took over my whole life instantly, you know, and it became my mission right along with him, you know, to to go and like just show up in all these different kind of situations out there in the real world on the street, even busking. We did a lot of busking, you know, Um, and try to connect with people through song.
0: And uh, I know we've been talking a lot in a way about activism or what you believe in, but that's my other question. What is your, what's your form of activism? Uh, You have many, so. um.
1: You know, I I guess I don't see things in terms of issues. Like personally, I I see it as all one issue. (laughs) You know, it's, it's, it's about really, uh achieving justice and equality and um, uh, emancipation for all people, you know, so it it comes through it comes through in, I hope, you know, just sort of everything that I do, the choices that I make, um the things that I put my time and energy into. Uh, I'll see you at the people's inauguration, you know, uh, Valerie invited me to, Be a part of it. And, you know, it's just a matter of daily showing up for the people doing the good work, such as Valerie. There are so, so many, so, so many. I mean, last night I was up late writing a letter to the governor of California asking for the, you know, for him to commute the sentence of a person who's in prison for life, who I think is a absolutely, um, rehabilitated transformed soul from the person who committed uh murder 40 years ago you know it's it's a matter of showing up for the right thing you know whether it's joining you know the protests for racial justice you know that were happening every day all summer going out there it's a matter of might be sending some money to uh, groups and organizations that are doing the good work. It might be writing a letter. It might be, you know, it's, it might be cooking food and giving it to somebody who needs it in this moment, you know, whatever it is, they're just, you know, um, it's all one thing to me and it's about trying to be present when you see unfairness, when you see, hurt and pain. It's about trying to be accountable, you know, so it just it happens in every single way there is really.
0: So your record is coming out January 29th And um, I know you'll you said you'll be playing the record live doing kind of a showcase live stream. We're both uh, excited to be a part of the People's Inauguration, which just launched. And will you be f- performing at all as part of that
1: Yeah, I'm gonna play that song, "Revolutionary Love."
0: Thank you for being a part of Launch Left and and sharing with our community. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. For uh, you, watchers and listeners out there, please enjoy Ani DiFranco's song simultaneously off her new record, "Revolutionary Love."
2: worlds, simultaneously, the one I seem to live in, and the one that lives in me, and one is full of violence, oppression, and disrespect.